Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our partners, the Beautiful Game Network. You can see their stuff at bgn.fm. And Firebird Rising. You can find their stuff at firebirdrising.coreair.com. And we'd also like to thank our new sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. And now, let's get on to the show. And welcome to this week's episode of the Rising is One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns, and we have a full squad this week. How are you guys doing? Doing well. How are you doing, Dominic and Jeff? I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be back with you guys again for another great week and ready to get this season off and going. And on that note, let's get right to the biggest team news which was the jerseys. After teases in the days and hours before the jersey reveal, we finally got our full assortment of kits. And it was a great assortment. First, you saw Billy Forbes walking out there in the all black, one of the most beautiful kits for any team in the league. Uh, It was Billy Forbes' favorite, a lot of people's favorite. Uh, Then you also saw them coming out with an all red look. That's going to be the main home kit for the season. Uh, The black is going to be an alternate look. And then I believe it was Kavon Lambert rocking the away white jersey, and it had some red hoop stripes underneath. And it was kind of interesting because they had a a close-up of this kit on Friday where it looked like it was mostly red with white stripes. So I was thinking that they were going to do the home kit as a mostly red with white stripes. They kind of Pulled a fast one on us fans uh, with that tease. It's actually going to be a white away kit with the red stripes. And uh, what are you guys' thoughts on these jerseys? Uh, I mean, yeah, I kind of I was with you when I saw that tease of the red with the stripes. I thought that was our home kit for sure. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, that'll look good. Uh, completely kind of got side side blinded by the uh, the red kit with that cool design on it. I really like personally. I like the red and the black. The most I've I've kind of always been a uh, partial to white kits. I've just never really been a huge fan, but I I still think they look clean. But uh, I also think the Carvana sponsor logo. I was thinking that that kind of might throw off the jersey, but it actually goes really well. I think that uh, they blended it really well into the jersey. So I I haven't bought any yet, but I'm looking forward to getting the uh, couple jerseys pretty soon. Yeah, Jeff, what are your thoughts? You know, I I. I love the black. I mean, that is that. I mean, just just yeah. the way that that one was introduced. Loved loved how that one came out, especially on Billy Forbes. I mean, that, what what a perfect person to put that 
that black jersey on, especially with him coming, you know, coming over from San San Antonio and him looking so good in that black jersey that they had over there. But I mean that 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 black jersey was just stunning. And I gotta mention too, I mean the the, the goalkeeper looks too are are very nice. I mean you saw mm-hmm. you saw Carl come out in the in the all blue kit, and you saw. Uh, Zach Lubin come out in an orange kit. I mean, those were some pretty, some pretty stylish looking goalkeeper jerseys too. So I mean, you know, all in all, what a what a great effort by Macron to to put together a, a nice set of kits for this club. I mean, obviously, you know, getting Carvana one of the one of the top, uh, you know, used car. Uh, sales groups in in the country now you know as a three-year sponsor for this club i mean that's even amazing in itself you know to to get somebody hooked on for that period of time i mean what what a great get again for this organization to do something strong again and put out a statement right and i I know it's under the radar but can we talk about those socks those are beautiful (laughs) socks yeah Um, they are oh my goodness uh, I just love the hoop idea for the socks, and I love the hoop stripes on the white away. So, like, personally, I know this is a minority opinion because those black ones are beautiful, but I really love the white aways. Uh, I think that's going to be the first kit I end up getting from this set. I already have a red home kit from last season, so uh, definitely want to mix it up a bit and go white. Um, you know, the red-on-red red look, I actually, it's one of the only ones I don't really love. But I think if you pair it with the black uh, shorts, it'll work really well. And honestly, this is a great a great kit set. It's one of the best in USL. And like, I think this really showed why we went to Macron, because you can definitely tell that they, they put the custom in custom-made kits. They gave us these hoops. They gave us these amazing socks. They gave us like the diamond pattern on the red home kit. They gave us this, the the uh, low key stripes on. They really went above and beyond the little things, and the little things make a big difference. Oh, I agree. It makes a huge difference. I mean, just just an overall appearance, overall look, and like you said, you know, you know, they're they're totally customizable and interchangeable most of the time with each other. Like you said, you'd love to see the black shorts on those red tops. Well, you may see those once in a while. Who knows? You know, they have that ability to do that. And and like you said, you know, one of the unsung heroes of this whole kit are the socks themselves. And what you know, what a great job of putting everything together. Absolutely. Yeah, I I really I agree with you, Dominic. The red on red, it's I don't know, it kind of just fl- crashes a little bit and kind of an eyesore. I think the red and black, uh, that's really what I hope to see. And then another thing that I that I love is the red lettering on the black. I mean, that just pops off of there perfectly, I think, just like you said, Jeff, with the Forbes. I mean, I think that's actually the black jersey I'm going to end up getting as a Billy Forbes jersey because that one uh that one looks pretty sweet. But uh the socks, I mean, yeah, I, I haven't seen Phoenix Rising or Arizona United really have anything like that on their socks. So to have have that kind of detail go into not only the jerseys but the entire kit, you know, it's it's awesome to see. And uh, yeah, that's definitely the reason why we went to Macron over some of these larger uh, sponsor companies. Adidas, cough yep. cough. <laughs> Adidas, <laughs> not to name drop, but <laughs> well, I, I remember one of the early days. Uh, you know, one of the early season jerseys. I can't remember if it was the first season of of United or second season United, but they did, some of the players did wear 
some of the the old Arizona United logo uh, had the socks that that would run up, but it, it you know it wasn't everybody that was wearing them; it was only a select few. So I you know I think it kind of maybe threw everybody off, but I think now that everybody has you know it will have the same look and the same go you know go at it. I think it's just it'll look amazing when people see it on on YouTube and on TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the guys, I think the players themselves were fired up, you know? I mean, to, to be able to play in kits that look like that, that look like the, you know, some of the best kits around, I mean, that's, if I, I were them, that would motivate me, you know? You look good, you play good, so. And, uh, you know, let's just go into the event itself a little bit. Uh, it happened at the Marquee Theater, open to the public, uh, doors opened at 6, kits were unveiled just before 7.30, and they also said that they were going to live stream it. But uh, Kyle, I understand you were trying the live stream option. What was your experience with that? Ah, uh, well, I didn't really catch much. It was uh, just a little spotty. I think anyone else that kind of was watching it as well ex- probably experienced the same thing. It was, I mean, you'd hear a little bit of something, but the screen was just frozen on a. It looked like the MC just standing there with a the mic on the stage, and it, then it would just say stream was interrupted. But uh, I actually was able to find a better stream going on Instagram Live, and our our own uh, Kavon Freighter was standing side stage and had it had it uh, on his phone a little stream going. So I was able to see some of the guys walk out in their jerseys, and uh, I mean it, it looked from the video, it looked like there was a good crowd, and it looked like a really good time. Yeah, I can I can confirm it was uh, a pretty nice crowd, several hundred people, a mm-hmm. good time. Season ticket members were able to pick up their uh, season ticket holder cards. They were able to pick up $25 vouchers to Just Sports that I'm sure many season ticket holders will go spend immediately, put that money right back into the team's pockets and into Just Sports pockets by getting these beautiful jerseys, the socks, shirts, all the apparel. Um and then if anyone hadn't received the Didier Drogba bobblehead, they were able to pick that up. So all around a good night, uh, season ticket holders able to pick their things up and a pretty low-key atmosphere. A lot of the players actually stuck around and allowed fans to take pictures, get jerseys and apparel signed. So really great to see the players interact like that. Um, hats off to the organization for getting that venue and for getting... Kenny and Crash from Fox Sports Radio 910. Just a fun time all around. Yeah, it did look like a, a great effort by, you know, by them. And, you know, you even heard on the live stream before, you know, it kind of got sparse there for a while that, you know, even the jerseys could be customizable, you know, to the fans. So, I mean, that was that was a cool touch, I thought, by the organization saying, hey, you know, let's make this open and available to whatever you want to do on the jerseys and, and what, you know, what a great concept for that even, you know, to be able to do. So, you know, again, hats off to the organization for, for pulling off a first-class effort, putting all that together, getting the marquee theater, getting a, a strong sponsor such as Macron to be the jersey supporter for the next three years, you know, and getting Carvana as the as the shirt sponsor for three years. I mean, again, it just keeps showing the effort that, that management is putting out to say, we want MLS, we want to be here, and we're showing you the ways we want to do that. Yeah, I mean, we see it, it seems like, week in and week out, especially as the season gets closer, you know. This this ownership group is not going to stop 
pushing the envelope and uh, not only trying to grow the brand, but I think they engage with the community really well too. You know, we have all these local sponsors now, the, the Danison Milk, you know, I've seen a lot of people out there trying to buy that. So just to see them kind of, they definitely, I have seen them try to grow soccer in the state of Arizona. So that's something, you know, from a, from a huge supporter standpoint, that's just something you love to see. So yeah, super pumped on this ownership group. I think we all are. We love these kits. We love what they're doing. And for a little bit more about the kits and other topics, we have an interview with Billy Forbes. He talked about why the black uniform is his favorite. Maybe he was a little biased because he was wearing it. But he talked about that. The Ecuador trip, potential goal celebrations, and more. So let's give that a listen right now. So this is Dominic Kearns here with the Rising is One podcast. I'm here with Billy Forbes. Billy, what were your thoughts on these kits? Um, I think they were pretty cool. Uh, I, well, we got to see the kids like a couple of days ago. Uh, we knew they were they were really good, so seeing them tonight and let the fans see them tonight was, was really good. Do you have a personal favorite? Um, I think the black one is my personal favorite. The one you're wearing, right? Yeah, the one I'm wearing, yeah. yeah. Do you have a second favorite? Um, I think the white one is kind of dope as well. So, but overall, all the kids look really cool. So uh, I like all of them. What do you think of, of Macron as a sponsor? I think it's pretty great. Uh, who did we have last year? Um, well, I think it's pretty great. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. I love the, the uniform so far. And it's been a while. You guys were in Ecuador last week. How was that experience? Um, the whole experience was really great. Um, we get to um, we get to play with a great club, with a great um, um, background. Um, we learn a lot. Um, we come from down 2-0 to come back and tie the game. So it was really great. It was a great experience to get to bond with the team and learn each other a little bit more. So it was great. Did you see Didier Drogba at the end of the match hanging out with the fans? Yes. Um, it was it was great to see to see that because everyone who came down knows Drogba is like top of the class. So for him to take the time, take off his shirt, give it away, do a lot of stuff, that was great. That He didn't have to do that, but he did it anyway, so that was great. You were a fan favorite in San Antonio. Do you see yourself being a fan favorite here? I'm, I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm, for me, um, I'll go the extra miles, get to know the fan, talk to them. So if they feel like I'm worthy to be a fan favorite, then I'll take it. You haven't known Patrice Carter on too long, but what's your relationship with him right now? Our relationship is great because we, we both speak French, so we can communicate with each other a little bit more. So I'm learning a lot right now, so this is great. Do you guys have any inside dialogue? Yes, we do. Like I said, we speak French, so it's, it's kind of like our communication together that's make us bond a little bit, so it's really great. Do you feel like you're picking up his tactics? Yes, yes, I am. I mean, he's a great coach. He's one of the reasons I'm here. So, seeing him last year to now, because first part of the season, Phoenix wasn't doing that great. And then when he came in, everything changed. So, it was really, it's great. So, yeah. Getting so many great results against MLS squads, how much confidence does that give you going into the USL season? It gives us a lot, of, a lot of confidence. I mean, those games, they're like games for us to, to play with the best. So, whenever we match with USL, that could help us a little bit. 
And last question, do you have any goal celebrations in mind? Yes, I do, but you'll have to wait to see that. Hopefully next weekend, right? Yes, hopefully next Thank weekend. Thank you for your time, Billy. No problem. And that was our interview with Billy Forbes from Friday night. It was really great to talk to him for a few minutes. Got to thank all the people that allowed us to have that interview. Uh, special shout out to Jose Bosch for setting that up. And uh, you have to love what Billy Forbes is doing, putting some, putting himself out there for the fans, being personable. I mean, you guys have to love that, right? Yeah, definitely. A, a great guy. I mean, you know, we've had the opportunity a couple of times to talk to him in the preseason and and, you know, he's, he's going to definitely be one of those guys that's going to, you know, behind Didier Drogba will be another one of those guys that will be a leader on this club and will, will, will be a strong asset, you know, for this 2018 season. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's one of those guys that he really loves to engage with, with the fans and, you know, he's awesome getting interviews. So uh, it's great just to be able to hear from him and to have, have a player that's uh, – so open speaking their mind and you know sharing sharing with others so yeah and it just just a couple things that made me happy from that interview uh one is that he said he wants to be a fan favorite here in phoenix um that speaks to volumes he's only been here a couple months but he already wants that and the other thing i love is that he already has a great relationship with coach carterone um mm -hmm. that he's catching on to the tactics really quickly and something that I didn't even know, uh, they both speak French, so they're able to they're able to get along just a little bit better than a lot of other players. So, cool stuff. That it is. So moving on, I think the next thing is probably that Phoenix Rising played its last two preseason matches. Jeff, do you want to take us through those? Yeah, we'll talk about the last two preseason matches they played. Uh, both of these matches were closed-door sessions, so no media uh, allowed into the building for these. Uh, Wednesday, they hosted uh, uh, Sporting AZ from the NPSL, uh, You know, obviously given, giving those guys an opportunity to get some preseason work in as well. Uh, Phoenix Rising took a 4-1 victory there in, the, in that preseason match. And then on Friday, they had their final closed-door session preseason match. They played against Oklahoma City Energy. Uh, if anybody's interested, um, go to the Oklahoma City Energy's Twitter page. They have highlights from action that took place in that match, uh, which was a 2-2 draw between Oklahoma City and Phoenix Rising. Uh, a pair of goals from Jason Johnson. Uh, the second one is just a beauty when you guys uh, get an opportunity to see that one. Uh, but they took a 2-0 lead, and, and Oklahoma City came back on goals from John Brown and Francis, a 2-1-A two, a two uh, towards the end of the match. So a 2-2 draw. I mean, it's a good result coming out of the, out of the final, uh, final match of the preseason. Obviously, the big thing, no injuries, nothing major serious uh, to deal with. So, you know, these boys will be ready to go uh, uh, just – now, when you hear this pod, it'll be uh, five days away uh, from the opening match against Orange County SC. Right. And I think a couple takeaways I got from the highlights with OKC. Uh, one is, it's really nice to see Johnson putting the ball in the net again. I know he didn't have all the opportunities during preseason. I'm sure that Coach Carterone wanted to see 
what new signings like Kavon Freider could do, like Billy Forbes, like Devin Vega. And that limited some of his opportunities. But against OKC, in a match where both teams were playing largely first-string lineups, he came through. He put two goals past Cody Lurendi. Yes, that Cody Lurendi. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he took advantage of his opportunities. Another thing, you like to see Billy Forbes being a creator on the left wing. And if you see the first goal, he really put some moves on on that uh, defender for OKC and set Johnson up very nicely for that goal. Um, you know, you don't love giving up two goals in the last 10 minutes, but I think the bigger takeaway is against a pretty solid USL side that was playing first stringers. We were up 2-0 with 10 minutes to play and actually had a penalty kick where it could have been 3-0. Um, you know, maybe the boys need to work on penalty kicks and training a little more. Billy Forbes had the opportunity this time and uh, once again, not the ideal effort. Um, keeper was able to save it fairly easily. But as long as Drog was taking those during the regular season, I'm not too concerned. Um, if it's anyone else, you know, I think Johnson, he put a good one in in that penalty kick shootout. But uh, I'm a little more concerned if it's not Drog but taking those. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. I mean, you know, a little little concern, but you know, then again, like we have said a number of times, this is the preseason. It's time to you know trying to figure out what works, what doesn't, that type of thing. So, you know, I think obviously the other thing we've got to worry about, and granted, you know, you give up two goals in the last ten minutes, and where you see those goals are given up again, the biggest concern is going to be, you know, are the center backs going to step up and and make some plays? late in games when they're really called on and needed to do those types of things. It's going to be something interesting to watch, you know, the first, I I would say four or five games of the season as to how they react and how things come about with that group. We still don't know who's going to be the starter. You know, we, we, we still think it's probably going to be Dweeji Mall and Joe Farrell, but you know, is Mike Defont earning his way into a spot into the starting lineup? Does does Patrice Carteron have a different option that he's considering? We don't know. We're going to have to wait and see, you know, what that starting 11 is going to look like when he brings it out against Orange County. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's been one of those things, you know, it's kind of plagued us time and time again during this preseason. But I have I have seen good stuff out of Defonte. So, I yeah, maybe he is, you know, leaning towards him. Him and Amala pairing back there. Um, we all kind of thought it'd be Joe Farrell, but you know, it's it's still early on. I think. I think. I mean, if we have another addition coming in the next week, maybe so. Um, Orange County is one of those teams that I'm I'm concerned with their ability to put crosses into the box, but I also think that we have some either one of the goalies, Zach Lubin or Carl Wazinski. I think uh, we have solid keeping in the net, so I think that we'll fare pretty well. I mean, the penalty kick situation isn't ideal, but at the end of the day, there were more positives than negatives from this OKC match. You know, Jason Johnson getting on the scoreboard with two goals, gotta love it. Billy Forbes setting up the first goal and creating multiple opportunities on the left wing, gotta love it. The fact that Phoenix was creating the best chances throughout that match. I mean, OKC, if you look at the highlights, the only quality chances they created were those two goals whereas Phoenix Rising had chances you know the penalty kick a couple other chances that were well saved by Lorendi 
on a different day, it could have maybe even been three or four goals going into those last 10 minutes. So at the end of the day, no injuries and a couple great performances from guys that we expect to see in the starting 11. So lots of positives there. And since we're so close to the beginning of the season, uh, since most teams are done with their signings, how about we get into some Western Conference preseason predictions? How about it? Yeah, I think we can do a little Western Conference. What do we What do we think might happen here? A lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've been actually working on my list. So, yeah, no, let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> so what I was thinking for this is let's go by order of seniority. Jeff, you can go first since you've been following the team the longest. I'll take a stab at this second, and then we can get Kyle's thoughts on the uh, on the picks third. And we can even make it a little friendly wager, see which of our picks end up being the closest to how it ends up after all 34 match days. So without further ado, let's get into it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Sounds def- good to me. Yeah, definitely. I- I'm, I'm good for that. <laughs> I'm up for a little friendly competition. <laughs> Well, all right, I, so no pressure, Jeff. No, 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 no pressure. No pressure at all. Show us how to do it. Um, if I had to pick a top four in the West right now, I would go. I would go Phoenix one, just the way they've been playing and the way they've made the signings and the way everything looks. I mean, am I a little concerned about the defense? Sure, I am, but. I, I think we've done enough offensively with the addition of Billy Forbes, with the addition of Kevon Freighter, you know, with, with Drogba being here a full preseason now and having a full opportunity to work with this club. Um, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to have an Alessandro Rigi. You're going to have a Chris Cortez. You're going to have a Solomon Asante. You're going to have a Gladson Awako. I mean, you've got so many different options on this club that I don't know how many of these teams can even have the the thought or the wherewithal to, to figure how are we going to defend this this powerful group. So right now I would say <clears throat> I would say Phoenix Rising won. I still like Salt Lake City in this conference. I mean I mean I mean granted, you know, they're still under the, the, the MLS two envelope, but it seems like Salt Lake has figured out the formula as to how to do it. Is, mm-hmm. is to include not only your your core group of guys that you have that you trust that are just on that cusp of going to the top level, you know, and meshing them with a strong, solid group of ML of uh, USL players that know the grind, that know the handle it. I mean, I think they they are still a strong, solid contender. Um, third, I would still say is is uh, San Antonio. I think there's, st- I mean, despite losing Billy Forbes. Despite losing Colin Fernandez, you know, I, I still think they are a strong enough group. I mean, they made some great re-signings. Um, you know, you've still got the strong goaltending unit that they've got with Diego Restrepo. And, you know, and <coughs> and you can't get by that. Granted, you know, we had the, you know, we had the pepper challenge with the, uh, the San Antonio people last year and, and, you know, that turned out quite interesting as it was. But, uh, you know, they're still a strong, solid group to look at. So, And, and to go fourth, I would, I would still say sporting, you know, uh, Swope Park Rangers is probably still in that group of four. Um, 
you know, strong, solid group that they put together. I mean, obviously, they, they you know, they've lost a few players. They lost Carlton Belmar towards the end of the season. I mean, losing Nathaniel Selbold to to Orange County, you know, I, I think is a, is a big loss to them. But they've found ways to make up the difference there. You know, and I think sitting just right on the outside of that top four might be Reno, just because of the lot. I think because of the the huge loss of, of of Dane Kelly, number one, but number two, I also think the loss of Chris Weehan, you know, to MLS mm-hmm. that that is going to be a huge uh, uh, obstacle for for Reno to overcome this year. Yeah, I mean they lost their leading goal scorer and their uh, assist leader. You know, so. To expect the same type of goal-scoring prowess this season, um, I think would be foolish. But uh, I still, I actually have them in the sixth spot. But uh, yeah, I still think, I mean, they'll make playoffs, no doubt. Yeah, I was a little concerned at the beginning of preseason, but uh, seeing how some of the pieces have meshed, you know, I think they're going to be there and I keep on that in that six or seven spot. Yep. So where are we going from here? Oh, should we uh, should we do who we think will be the top goal scorer for the club? I mean, if you want, go for it. <laughs> I, I've been I've been toying with this one for a while. I, you know, do I think Didier Drogba is going to have as good a season as he did last? Eh, maybe not. Do I think Jason Johnson's going to have as good a season as like? Eh, maybe not. I, you know, the guy who who shocked me this whole preseason and who you know we've talked about him many times on this, you know, early season podcast is Kevon Freider. I mean, th- this guy could really be the difference for this club in 2018. I mean, the things that he the things that he did with Devin Vega in the preseason, you know, we don't know who he's going to hook up with, you know, when it comes to regular season, if Vega's going to still be back there or if it's going to be somebody else. But I, I don't know. For some reason, I just like what Kevon Freider brings to the table for this club. I think Billy Forbes is going to be, you know, a strong asset. I, I'm, I'm sure he will be close to, to, to the lead. But I don't know. I think Kevon Freider being up top may be the big difference this year in 2018. Totally. I think if we can supply Freider with service, I mean, we've seen it in preseason. You know, he can turn those small opportunities into big goals. So, um, yeah. And, I mean, with, the, with like you said, with the addition of Forbes and possibly having Johnson on the one wing, the wings, I think uh, the service into Freider will be great. So, I expect him to be our leading goal scorer too. Well, I'm glad that I got you guys on the Kevon Freider bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes without saying that that's you know, yeah, we <laughs> And with the service, I think he's our our, our goal scorer. And uh, without further ado, I'll run through my thoughts on the Western Conference. The way I see it, there are two teams that are just way above the rest of the pack. And those teams are Phoenix Rising and San Antonio FC. Those teams, I think, are going to be very close in the one and two spots. 
I would give the slight edge to Phoenix Rising just because I think that the Rising roster is slightly deeper than that of San Antonio. And Billy Forbes is such a huge difference maker. I expect him to be a fixture in our starting 11. And uh, that might be all it takes to just nudge us above San Antonio. But of course, they're going to be bringing a lot back. They're bringing back Diego Restrepo, who was USL Keeper of the Year. Um, pretty impressive that they were able to re-sign him. And, you know, a lot of the a lot of the same guys that uh, made a difference for them last year, as well as some interesting signings, including a guy from Costa Rica. So they're going to be a fun squad, of course. Um, and those are the two teams that look just a, a tier above everyone else, at least in my eyes. I'll still put Real Monarchs at third, but I don't know. I could see them falling back a little bit. They look good on paper, but I just think there are so many teams that are so evenly balanced in the Western Conference. Once you get down below Phoenix and San Antonio, I would not be surprised if they ended up in fourth or fifth. A team I am going to pick with fourth, and this might surprise some people, is Sacramento Republic. And the reason I say this is Josh Cohen will make such a humongous difference for them. And that's no disrespect to their former keeper, Evan Newton. He was good for them, too. He made some quality saves, had some quality performances. He shut Phoenix Rising out in that 2-0 win that ended our long winning streak. But Cohen is going to be a big boost to Sacramento Republic's defense. And you've seen it already in preseason. They held LAFC to only one goal in a 1-0 preseason defeat. And that's looking pretty impressive considering what LAFC has done against MLS opposition. Uh, you look at San, uh, Sacramento going on the road to Nippert Stadium at FC Cincinnati, and they got a 2-1 win on Saturday, March 10th. That's an impressive result. And again, in the match recap, Josh Cohen came up with a couple big saves to hold FC Cincinnati off the score sheet until the last 10 minutes. That is going to make a big difference for them because this is a team that's going to be in a lot of close matches, Sacramento. And I just think that they're going to get a top three uh, goalkeeper in the West kind of season from, from Cohen. And I think that is going to give them just enough to leapfrog a few teams, get back up towards the top of the Western Conference standings. I'm a little bullish on Sac Republic. I'm going to say that they get fourth. Um, and then in fifth... This might shock some people. Uh, maybe not, though. Uh, I like what St. Louis has done with their off-season additions. I think if they can deal with the travel, uh, moving to the Western Conference will be good with them, good for them, and I think they can get the fifth spot. Pretty impressive seeing them getting a 1-1 draw over the weekend against Louisville City. In sixth, it's really tough to uh, go against a team that's been a fixture in the Western Conference playoffs the last couple of years. Um, well, really, the teams in 6 and 7 for me are teams that have been fixtures in the playoffs. I'm going to say OKC Energy at 6. I like what they've done. I like that they brought in a solid head coach and uh, always a dangerous team. And Lorendi's back in net. That'll be fun. And 7th, I mean, I'm surprised that I'm putting them this low, but there are a lot of good teams in the Western Conference and a lot of competitive balance. I see Swope falling a little bit. They lost... Quite a bit this offseason, Nancel Selbel and Christian Duke going to Orange County SC. And they lost a couple other players too. And I'm not sure if they recouped enough um, to get back to where they were the last couple of seasons atop the Western Conference. That leaves a really interesting chase for that eighth spot. 
And it's going to be a lot of teams battling it out. Uh, the team I ultimately see getting that spot is Fresno FC. I love what the Foxes have done. I think they have an outstanding midfield. I love Juan Pablo Caffa in that midfield. I love... Um, I just love the, the lineup that they've uh, put together. Uh, and they've gotten some results, too. They beat, Fres or they beat Real um, for their first preseason win. They won that match 3-2. Couple goals in the last 15 minutes. I think that shows you what Fresno is capable of. The defense hasn't quite clicked yet, but I think they will. And, you know, when you get down to that part of the conference, all of those teams are flawed. I think Fresno has the highest upside, so I'm going to put them at 8. Teams that just missed the cut for me, I think Orange County uh, is right there at 9. Colorado Springs is there at 10. Um, two teams that were regulars in the playoffs up until last season, but... As mentioned before, there are just so many teams in the Western Conference, and uh, wow, um, you know, I might have to, I might have to backtrack here. I will put Reno at nine, Orange County at ten, Colorado Springs at eleven. Um, there's just an absolute bevy of competitive teams, and then then you get towards the teams that aren't aren't quite going to be there. Um, you know, the uh, Tulsa's of the world. Rio Grande Valley, and uh, you know, I could actually see I could actually see Los Dos uh, even finishing above Rio Grande Valley, maybe in 13th or 14th place. But then uh, RGV and Sounders two and Timbers two towards the bottom. That's kind of how I see things shaking out. And my apologies if I missed a club. There are a lot in the West. Oh, <laughs> the club I did miss, Las Vegas Lights. Yeah, they're showing some potential, but I think. I think their best case is like a six or seven, and their defense is not where it needs to be for them to be a serious playoff contender. Um, so I, I, I think they're going to be around that 12 range. They could probably finish above Tulsa and, you know, RGV and, you know, the, the three, two clubs that finished at the bottom last year. But that's how I see the West going, so... So do you want me to do, I guess I'll do my top eight, and we'll, we'll go from there. So number one, I have Phoenix Rising, of course. Number two, San Antonio FC. Number three, Real Monarchs. Number four, Sacramento Republic. Number five, Swope Park Rangers. And I actually have, I have Reno in number six. I think, I think they'll still make playoffs this season, um, like I said, I don't think they'll score as many goals as they did last year. But uh, below them in seven, I have the OKC Energy. Um, like you said, they're too good to, to miss playoffs this year. And then I actually think Orange County, Orange County or St. Louis, I think they're that 8-9 right there. I think it could kind of go either way. Um, but just from seeing the, you know, the signing of Sell Bowl this week for Orange County, I think that's going to, you know, go, go a long way for them. And then I have... Uh, Fresno FC in the number 10 spot, Colorado Springs Switchbacks at 11, Tulsa at 12, Las Vegas FC 13, Reno 14, and then to round out the bottom three, LA Galaxy 2, Seattle Sounders, and Portland Timbers. Just because, you know, those two teams have uh, historically shown they're not always the top sides, at least last season. <laughs> Uh, when when you said you said Reno out just before the bottom three, I think you meant Rio Grande, right? 
Oh, yeah, Rio, Rio Grande. Grande. Oh, Rio Grande okay. Valley. Sorry, okay. sorry about okay. that. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, you were just saying Reno's going to make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Good catch. <laughs> <coughs> well, I guess sorry to our people down down in Texas. <laughs> yeah, so- sorry guys. <laughs> well, well, I guess it's my turn to to. to go the full list so obviously phoenix rising at one uh real monarchs two san antonio three uh reno at four or no i'm sorry i had swill park rangers at four my fault i had them at four reno at five i've got sacramento going six i like orange county at seven and i think i think oklahoma city sneaks into that eight spot i really do um Mm -hmm. I think, again, I think you're going to find Colorado Springs sitting just on the outside at 9. Um, I like Fresno at 10. Uh, St. Louis at 11. Las Vegas at 12. 13 would be Rio Grande Valley. Uh, 14, LA Galaxy 2. Uh, 15 would be uh, Seattle. 16 would be... Um, Timbers, two. Timbers two, and then and then seventeen or, or I'm missing one. Tulsa, Tulsa. There we go. Tulsa. I would put Tulsa actually at fourteen. I would put Tulsa at fourteen and slide everybody else down. Galaxy fifteen, yeah. Seattle sixteen, and then Timbers at seventeen. I just don't see. I just don't see any of those two teams other than Swope Park Rangers and, you know, Real Monarchs doing anything. We just no. haven't seen anything the last couple of years when it comes to those teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued by the fact that you guys both have St. Louis out of the top eight in the Western Conference. Um, granted, they are a bit of a mystery coming in from the East and being in the East two of the last three seasons, but, I mean... They just drew Louisville City last week. They have a lot of big names coming in. And to me, on paper, they look a little bit better than, you know, some of these clubs that are going to be vying for those final couple playoff spots. I mean, it's so early, but isn't this what makes the USL so fun? You know, and part of that could be just the fact that, you know, we haven't seen St. Louis enough to really know how good of a team they're going to be. I mean, being that they were in the East last year, you know, you really didn't pay a lot of attention to them. That's very fair. Um, my only counter to that is that the names coming in, there seems to be, at least on the national USL show, people seem to like them as a playoff squad. And they've looked good in preseason for what it's worth, which might not be anything. But, uh, I mean, another one is Reno. Like, I have them outside the playoffs. I think you had them at fifth and Kyle, you had them at six. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I I like Fresno's midfield, and there's just there's so many there's so many teams in the West that are going to be gunning for it. I feel like there are going to be one or two teams that are pretty surprised to be on the outside looking in. Yeah. yeah you could be right. You could be very right about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's no doubt it's going to be a tight race. I think. I think those bottom two to three spots. When it comes down to it, I think those will probably be decided in the last week or two of the season. Just because, like you said, there's so many quality teams, and we only have eight playoff spots, so it's it's going to be close. 
And I really hope that we have a match day 34 where we're clear of all that and we yep. just get to take it all, put on a few different screens, watch all the drama <laughs> unfold. Hopefully they can do it so all those matches are like simultaneous. That would be great. Uh, but yeah, it looks, looks like it's going to be a fun last couple of weeks of the season. And I mean, it looks like it looks like we'll be having some fun tracking these teams throughout the year because we don't see eye to eye on everything. Yeah, this is true. This is very true. Absolutely, it'll be it'll be exciting to see what happens. You know, that's that's what uh, the fun of a new season. You know, trying to trying to set your standings. <laughs> and uh, if anyone is offended that their team was ranked too low. Come at us, comment at us why we're wrong, and uh, maybe you'll get a fun response. You know where to find us on Twitter. It's at RisingPod. <laughs> yeah, I'm, prove us wrong. We'd yep. love to. We'd love to be shown. <laughs> that that we would be once in a while. None of us are experts. We just have a podcast, and it makes us sound legit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Jeff, what was our next segment? Uh, we're going to move into, for the first time in 2018, let's talk about game number one of the season. Uh, we're going to talk about Orange County Soccer Club and making the travel uh, over there to the uh, great southern part of California. Uh, definitely some interesting changes with, with Orange County in the off season. Uh we talked about it a little bit earlier. One of the biggest signings that, that they made right here at the end of preseason was signing Swole Park Rangers uh, forward Nathaniel Selbull. And that's a huge grab for, for Orange County as, as you get ready to start a season. And you didn't really have a lot of uh, firepower on offense up at the top. I mean, granted, you re-signed, uh, you re-signed Kobayashi. You know, you, re, you, know, you re-signed... Uh, uh, Richard Chaplow, you brought in Christian Duke, uh, you brought in Oscar Sorto. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, you know we're not sure of the status of. Granted, they only have Casey Byers as a listed goalkeeper right now, but obviously, you know Charlie Lyon is sitting with LAFC. Would Char- will Charlie Lyon find his way down to Orange County, you know, and be playing matches there? Um, but you know. You look at the roster as it sits right now. I mean, yeah, there's one or two guys that you're really worried about, but I I think overall, this is a game that can be easily had by this club. You know, if if they get on the front foot early in the first twenty or thirty minutes. Yeah, that's a good call. I think the first twenty thirty minutes are going to be so critical to this match. Uh, in our in our match, you know, the early part of the match was pulling the clubs out. Not too much action on either side. In all three of those matches, that ended in a draw. It was a draw after the first thirty minutes, and there weren't too many clear cut chances. So, if you're looking at it from our perspective, you want to avoid that because the longer it stays scoreless, the longer it stays that way. It just gives Orange County belief. It gets their home fans excited in their season opener in the Champions Stadium, you know, their first full season in that really impressive venue. Um, so you don't want to give them that confidence. And I think this could be a nice opportunity for us to take advantage of them 
not really having a lot of team chemistry yet because Selwell just came in last week. I mean, he played in their in their preseason friendly with Las Vegas uh, this past Friday. <coughs> not all the fitting. We don't even know whether uh, Byers is going to be in the net or whether uh, Charlie Leone will be able to come down for them. Uh, I'm sure many of you recall that he was in net for Orange County last season against us and had some pretty strong performances to deny us three points in those matches. So, And and you have to like the signings that they made from Swope this offseason. Um, beyond Selvel, I mean, Christian Duke is a great midfielder. Um, he he would be starting for almost like Oscar Sordo. So I mean, they're going to be a tough team, and I really feel like once you get past those bottom, any away win is going to be a challenge in the Western Conference. So um, should be a fun game. What are what are some things you guys are watching for? I mean, me personally, I like you think a uh, an early goal is going to be crucial there. You know, if we could get an early goal and, like you said, kind of uh, lift our spirits while taking theirs down, I think that'll go a long way. Um, also, I mean, I'm just going to be looking at our, like we've kind of talked about all preseason, our defense. You know, that uh, our center back pairing, I'll be interested to see who ends up starting and how they perform because we haven't seen the most uh, consistent performances thus far, but. You know, it's preseason's behind us. It's the regular season now, so this is when it when it counts. So, I'm excited to see uh, see how we can perform. Yeah, I agree. I agree with your comments completely, Kyle. You know, it, it it's definitely going to be that defensive pairing in the center we watch and see how they mesh together and see what it's going to end up being. And you know, I, I don't think we have too much to worry about with our defensive midfielders because you know we've got strong ones. You know, <coughs> excuse me, in Kavon Freider. In if Colin Fernandez plays back there, if even you know, uh, uh, if if uh, our new signing, oh, uh, James, James Musa, you know, even if James Musa mm-hmm. finds his way, you know, on the back, you know, and that in that back to uh, midfield pairing, you know, or could he even end up on the back line too? I mean, he did play some back line for for Swope Park Rangers last year too. So I mean, you know, there's a lot of different options that they could go with in that way. And obviously, you know, the first lineup will always be the one that gets looked at is you know here, you know, here's his first lineup, and let's see how it works together, and will they build off of that? You know, so obviously, you know, it's a big thing to see what you know how they're going to come out, how they're going to formation wise, who's going to play where. You know, it'll be interesting to see from that point. Dare we venture into score predictions? I like two one, uh, Phoenix Rising. You know, I I I think we'll see a, I think we'll see another of our favorite highlight uh, free kick goals from Drogba, and I think we'll see a Kevon Freider score. Ooh, nice! I like it. I think I think two one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jason Johnson just off of those highlights I saw from that OKC Energy match. I think he's ready for the regular season. Jason Johnson and Billy Forbes. I think they get our two goals. I hate to be the negative Nelly of the group, but I think this is going to end up being a one-one draw. Orange County's a team that's improved this offseason. They brought in Christian Duke, they brought in Nancel Selvel, and they brought back the pieces that worked. Uh, Richard Chaplow is returning. Kobayashi is returning. 
I feel like Charlie Leone is going to come back down and start a net for Orange County for this match. Uh, for those who may not be aware, Charlie Leone may have been Orange County's best player last season. He always had great performances against Phoenix Rising, only conceded two goals against us in three matches last year, and he's just a tough nut to crack. I think that whole team is a tough nut to crack at home. I think their physical style works better there, and I could see this one being a pretty conservative first half in a season opener for both squads, especially when you think about how Carterone likes to play it tactically on the road, plays things closer to the vest away from home. So I'm not sure who is going to score first in this match, but I would not be surprised if it's nil-nil at halftime. Then things open up a little more in the second half, and I just, the way we haven't defended set pieces and crosses too well, I feel like they're going to get a goal on one of those. And that's why I say 1-1. I hope I'm wrong. I hope you win 4-0. But that's just how I'm going to, how I'm going to say it's going to go right now. I hope to be proven wrong. One last thing about this match, I'm hoping to get a conversation with Alicia Rodriguez. She came on the USL show to preview Orange County SC. She writes for Angels on Parade, that's the Sports Nation blog for LAFC, and they also cover a lot of Orange County Soccer Club. So she is very knowledgeable. I'm hoping to get a chat with her on Thursday night and put that audio up on Friday so you guys have it. A more in-depth preview before Saturday's match but let's move on to something else yeah obviously the biggest USL news this week well it's not even USL news anymore because 2017 uh, USL MVP Dane Kelly gets picked up by DC United I mean you, you can't ask for for something better for a guy like Dane Kelly I mean he definitely deserves this shot you know 18 goals last season was the MVP of the league uh, just made his his debut recently with Jamaica, you know, and and did some good things there with them. So I mean, you know, hats off to him for for everything he's done in these recent times, and 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 has definitely earned himself an opportunity to play at the MLS level. Yeah, great points, Jeff. It's really nice to see Dane Kelly get the shot that I think everyone realizes that he deserved after being USL MVP last year, leading goal scorer. He's been a real vet for so many teams, just very consistently putting goals in. And DC United is a team that could use a striker, so you hope that that's a great match for those two. <clears throat> as far as other USL news, not too many player signings at this point other than OC signing Nansel Selvul. That was just announced. So the big things are some USL preseason matches, and there were some good USL preseason matches you know, just this last weekend before things got started. A couple big eye-openers. The first one has to be Cincinnati FC 1, Sacramento 2. Uh, so Sacramento gets the big win at Nippert Stadium. This was on Saturday, March 10th. It looked like Josh Cohen made a couple big saves in this match. Sacramento actually got out to a 2-0 lead here. Um, Bijev, I think, scored the second goal for the visitors, and since he got one back towards the end, but it wasn't enough. Pretty impressive win for Sacramento, and I think it it validates me, you know, hopefully it validates me putting them at fourth in the West. Um, I think there's a team with a lot of potential, and I think they're a team that can grind out some good road results and win some close matches. Another one that we were keeping tabs on 
Um, Orange County won, Las Vegas won. That was on Friday the 9th. And Orange County gets out to the lead, scores on a very long strike within the first 20 minutes. It looked like that was going to hold up, but Las Vegas equalized with less than 15 minutes left, and that makes it finish 1-1. One of the better results for Las Vegas in the preseason, but they did not get any preseason wins. If that sounds familiar, that's exactly what happened with us last year. Other big preseason matches. One that really raised some eyebrows. Fresno 3, Real Monarchs 2. This was a big time win for Fresno. It just happened over the weekend. And it looked like Real was going to get the W in this one. But the Foxes respond with two goals in the last 15 minutes for their first ever win as a club. Um, gotta love it as a Fresno fan. It was a home match for the Foxes. Um, and that's a good result, especially coming off of last Sunday's 1-1 draw against Sacramento. Um, you're starting to see what this team is capable of. You're starting to see the potential they have to get off on the right foot right away to start the season. And that way they won't dig themselves in a hole. I think that's what separates Reno or uh, Fresno excuse me, from Las Vegas is that they look like they can come out and get some results against quality oppositions. So... Exciting for Fresno fans. You gotta love it if you're uh, supporting the Foxes out there. Couple other results, uh, maybe not such a big deal, but um, Reno gets a 1-0 win in the midweek over Real Monarchs. Uh, just a 1-0 just a result. Uh, they played it tight, they get the win, and it's gotta be an encouraging sign for Reno to get that shutout win. Um, defense was something that's going to be a big priority for them coming into this season because they're going to lose a lot of that offense that produced a USL record 75 goals. And uh, so far, it's looking good. And the one other match that we need to talk about, uh, USL preseason match, St. Louis actually getting a pretty good 1-1 draw against Louisville City, again over the weekend on Saturday. Now, this was a fun neutral site location in Indiana, about equidistant from St. Louis and Louisville. And it was St. Louis getting on the board first with an own goal from Louisville City in the third minute. Uh, Louisville responded, they equalized before halftime, and St. Louis did pretty well to hang on and, and get a deserved draw in this match. Um, you know, to get a draw against last year's USL champions, that's encouraging. And it, you know, it wasn't a home match either, this was a true neutral site, and they get a 1-1 draw. I think, again, you, sh you see what St. Louis is capable of, and you can see that they're going to be a contender right from the get-go. Uh, some of those new faces looking good. Granted, they get the benefit of the own goal, but I think if you look at their other preseason matches, they were stringing some solid results together. So I think that's going to do it for you know the USL preseason matches, and I think we can move on. And now it's time for the supporters section segment as always where fans come in with great questions and the first one comes from nick at N. do you think asante has done enough this pre to start over jj according to okc jj had a brace in the closed door game last friday i'd be surprised if he sat saturday versus oc do you think we bring in a veteran center back to organize the line better and help with clear, I think. 
Well, I guess if I had to say, I would say, you know, yes, he, he deserves to start. He's been playing well as of late. Um, you know, does the brace help? Sure, obviously it's going to help. Um, you know, we really, I, I don't know what the difference is from last year to this year with the Ghanaian players that we have on the roster. We, you know, we saw strong finishes from Solomon Asante and Gladson Awako last year. But we're not quite seeing the same things from them at the start of this preseason that we saw at the end of last season. I don't know what we can attribute that to, you know. But maybe it's maybe it's familiarity. Maybe it's something different. Uh, you know, who knows? It's it, it's it's kind of like a crapshoot at this point. Now, as far as the question on the center back goes, you know, we've we've literally blown this to death a hundred times, and we still don't know what to expect on you know as out of that center back pairing. Could I see us going after somebody a week or two after the season starts if somebody's available? You darn right I do. If you know, mm-hmm. if things aren't shaping up the way they need to be, you know. But I think you know, for the moment, we're just going to have to see which pairing is going to work out fine, you know, and then kind of make our adjustments from there. Totally, Jeff. I, I mean, I mean, last year we sh- Carterone showed he's. He's he's has nothing against a player midseason, you know, and throwing him into the mix. Um, I think, I think maybe he's kind of waiting to see how we perform in these next two games, and then if things don't go favorably, maybe uh, he's got a center back out there in mind that we pick up. Um, right now, I don't know if we sign one the week before the season. I mean, I, I, it's possible, but I, I just I'm not really sure right now. Like you said, we've kind of harped on this quite a bit because it's been our clear weakness throughout preseason but i think the coaching staff realizes it as well so they definitely have a plan to uh rectify the situation yeah and you know going back to the first part of that question i think johnson gets to start on saturday um i actually like what i've seen from asante and you know keep in mind he was actually an off-season signing this year a walk oak came in mid-season but asante uh this is his first uh, game action was just this preseason with the club. Um, but I, I think either one of those guys can come in and play really well, but I would give the nod to Johnson based off of familiarity and, you know, just his ability to really create a goal. Um, but I mean, I don't think you can go wrong either way. I wouldn't get worked up either way. Um, Next question comes from Stephen Hernandez at S Hernand three Z. Um, well, actually, this is this is a comment um, in response to that. So just nice to get some fan input. Uh, OKC just released highlights from the game. It looks like JJ was playing as a striker. I really like him as a striker. He presses like crazy and then explodes past defenders to get long balls. I think that's fair. I mean, that's all. That's all fair. Um, that almost sounds like a uh, description of Kavon Freider, though. So <laughs> I don't. I don't know if they can both play the same role. Um, I, I. I just. I don't see that. You know, I, as much as you would love to see him play a four-four-two and put and put, you know, Kevon Freider and and Jason Johnson on top. I just. I don't see it. You know. I, yeah, know, I don't. I don't either. I. I I still see Carterone playing the four two three one and just, you know, going with his guys that way. And if you know if, if that ends up being the case, 
you know, either Johnson's playing full 90 at top and Freighter's sitting, or he's coming in the last 20, you know, whether it's to score a goal, whether it's to preserve a lead, whether it's to, you know, up a lead maybe or something like that, you know, it's going to be interesting how that all works. It is, and that's that's why we just got to get the matches started and see what happens. Um, we we won't bore you all to death with the banter on Twitter, but we did get some good banter uh, among the fans on that question. Um, moving to another question from uh, Harry at Ram and Cole, longtime listener, so thank you, and uh, you know participant in that pepper challenge. With preseason over. Which of the new players brought in do you think will do the best, and which one will disappear? <laughs> that's an interesting one coming there. Yeah, that's a um, tough one. <laughs> uh, who impressed? I mean, obviously Billy Forbes obviously impressed big time. Obviously, uh, Kevon Frader has impressed very well. I, Devin Vega has impressed very well. You know, I, I mean, I think a lot of these guys that have that have come in have made a, you know some sort of a solid impression. Is there anybody that goes away? I don't necessarily know that they go away. I mean, do they not see as much time on the field as you probably might have expected? That could happen. I mean, you know, you know, we, we see good things from Colin Fernandez. We see good things from Devin Vega. I think those two guys kind of fit the same mold. So I think, you know, who's going to get the time there? Well, you know, that that could be an interesting. Same goes with Solomon Asante and Gladson Waco. I think they kind of fit similar uh, styles and similar patterns and similar position playing. So, I mean, you could see the two of them kind of fighting for time. You know, Alessandro Rigi, you know, I mean, if anybody's kind of disappeared maybe a little bit during the preseason, maybe it's Chris Cortez because we really haven't seen a lot of his play, you know, but I still think there's, you know, there's room and there's a spot for Chris Cortez on this roster. It's just a matter of where and how it all fits together. Yeah. As far as new players, I think Forbes would be the one that does the best just because from day one, he's been like a regular, like a fixture in our starting 11 on that left wing, and he's just ingrained himself in that position. And it's a clear upgrade over anyone we had there last season. So just as far as which the new players will do the best, you have to think Forbes because we've seen what he can do in the preseason. He's putting in assists left, right, and center, and, you know, just making his impact felt. Uh, as far as which one will disappear, um, there are some other possibilities, but the one that comes to mind for me, because I have not heard his name since we signed him, is Luca Ricci. This guy came over from, I believe, uh, Ottawa Fury, and he was supposed to be, like, that Quebec connection, him and Alessandro Ricci, and I didn't see Luca Ricci in our preseason lineup once this season. Uh, is he maybe going to go down to SC Tucson some? Potentially. But I just don't know what's going on with him. So as far as what, which one's disappearing, I think that's the guy that disappeared. Yeah, you're probably right there. I, I would agree with you on that. Absolutely. I mean, I, like you said, I don't, I don't recall seeing him get any time on the field. If he has, it's been minimal. So... Um, He's one of those that's kind of disappeared. But, I mean, one that kind of jumps out to me as far as someone who I thought would be starting and isn't is Joe Farrell. I, you know, we haven't seen him 
take over that center back position that uh, Peter Ramage left that I thought he would. Um, I thought that he would just step in there and, you know, him and Malo were going to be our center back pairing. But it seems like Mike DeFonto's kind of given him a run for his money and he might, you know, come uh, next Saturday. It might be Malo and DeFonto back there. That's a good call. Um, I was kind of surprised to see DeFont over Farrell in the highlights this week. And, and, you know, even when Farrell scored the big goal in Ecuador, that was him in the second half coming on as a substitute. Yep. So that's one to keep an eye on because I'm, I'm with you. I'm really surprised that, that Farrell hasn't played as much as I think we were all expecting. Uh, another question coming from Matt Skinner at Matt Skinner 10. If you haven't already recorded, do you think the general hype slash excitement around the city is bigger this year or last year? Um, I This year by a landslide, no? Yeah, I agree. I agree it's this year. You know, just in the fact that, you know, upgrades at the stadium, um, you know, the the – the big hype last year was all around MLS, but it was. You know, but I think a lot of us knew where MLS was headed, so it wasn't a big deal. But I mean, you know, you, you do the upgraded changes you've made out at the out at the the stadium. You you sign sponsor after sponsor after sponsor after sponsor. I mean, APS on the on the uh, practice jerseys. You sign Carvana to a big deal. You know, you get Macron as as, as your jerseys you know supporter for the next three years. I mean, they keep doing thing after thing after thing after thing. You know. And it keeps growing the brand. You know, I, I think this year, I agree, by leaps and bounds, it's this year already in just the in just the three months that we have in 2018. You're right, Jeff. I mean, it's, it's not just, for me, it's not just uh, the people around the city, but, I mean, I think the sports outlets around the city are starting to take notice, too. Like I just saw the other day, we had uh, Fox Sports Arizona interviewing, I think it was Billy Forbes. Uh, no, 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 Bobby Duell. That's who it was. And then um, also, I just found this out the other day. Our matches are going to be broadcast on the radio in both English and Spanish. That's something that, you know, I think that could really reach a lot of people. A lot of people still like to listen to soccer audibly. So I think that is another thing that we are just growing this club every day, it seems like. And, um, yeah, like you said, the improvements to the stadium and just the sponsorships. I think this year the hype is definitely bigger than last year. I mean, just look at the kit reveal. You know, to, to be able to do that at the Marquee Theater and get a major sponsor like Carvana, you know, it's uh, we're definitely growing. Yeah, and the, the kit reveal is a great example. I mean, last year the event was at Four Peaks, which is an awesome place. An awesome place. But, I mean, really, it was like our, our group took up half of that Four Peaks location. So you're maybe talking like 100, 150 people there tops. Uh, at the Marquee Theater, we had several hundred and mm-hmm. way, way more sponsors. Uh, so, you know, leaps and bounds there. As far as an on-field products, we're leaps and bounds ahead of where we were. I mean, we didn't know what the... We barely knew what any of the starting lineup was going to be. I mean, at this time, like two or a week or two before opening day, we were still getting new signings in. So, I mean... Last year, it was like, all right, this this new product is coming in. I mean, yeah, technically, we're still in USL, but really, like, first year with the new rebrand, first year with the new ownership group, like, how is this all going to work? 
And now this year, it's just like, let's go win the damn title. So, <laughs> I mean, looking at it from that perspective, like, there's so much more hype about this year. And, and as you guys both said, you know, the sponsors, uh, the interest from bigger uh, media, local media, mm-hmm. I don't think you can even compare it, really. Yeah. No, you can't. No, it's, I mean, it, like you said, it's, to see the growth and for to hear our ownership group talk about competing for a title this season, that's I think that just shows our, our goals and our aspirations for this year. So indeed. And the last question we have here is from another regular contributor, Pat Moses at Goalie Man Pat. Record after ten matches go. And just so that I give you guys a little bit of help here. I'm going to list off our first 10 matches. At the Orange County versus OKC. At Reno versus Real Monarchs. At LA Galaxy 2 versus Swope versus Fresno versus Galaxy 2. How many is that? That's eight. At OKC at Tulsa Roughnecks. Ooh. Let's yes, see. those last two. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. That OKC one. <laughs> um, I'll go first. I, I remember I remember thinking about this right when the schedule came out, and I was thinking we need to start out really strong from those first eight matches because those first eight, you know, five of them are at home, and the road matches are not really difficult opposition. I mean, none of these teams are going to be in the top three four in the Western Conference this year. Orange County, Reno, Los Dos. And then you have five home matches. So um, I'll try to give a number as soon as I can. I'm I, thinking... I'm thinking... Uh, I'll take a stab at this. I'm thinking 6-3-1 and one maybe. Okay. I mean, that, that, could be a, that could be a doable number. I mean... Are you are you I, talking three draws or no three, three lo- losses? I'm, I'm saying three losses. I'm going six three wins, losses. three losses, and a draw. I could see us losing it. I could see us losing at OKC because we just we never have good luck there. Yep. Yeah. I could see us losing at Tulsa too, just because we finally beat them for the first time last year. Granted, but still we struggle at Tulsa, so I could mm-hmm. see us losing there. The other one I could see us losing could be the home match against Real Monarchs. I mean, other than that, I could see us probably winning every other match, but I could see either getting a draw in Reno or getting a draw in L.A., you know, putting a 6-3-1. and one. I, could, I could see that as a realistic type of number out of the first 10. Yeah, see, I, I'm pretty much the same. I have us at, like, 6-2-2, two and two, um, maybe – Maybe that Tulsa match ends up in a draw rather than a loss. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think, like you said, that OKC away match, that one really kind of worries me. Um, and then that, that real Monarchs match at home, I think that one, even though we are at home, they're really strong sides. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah. I'm going to go... Five wins, three draws, two losses. Okay. From our first ten, so that puts us at 
18. Uh, I mean, the, the, the three that swope, I think those are three wins. Um, you know, there, there's some, there's some obstacles to maneuver. I, you know, I'm on record saying we get the draw against Orange County. I think we can beat OKC at home. Um, but then, you know, Reno and Monarchs, I don't think we win both of those. Um, we probably get either a win and a draw or a win and a loss. There. And then KC and those are two tough matches. I think this year, and we can get that one. But I, yeah, I'll say I'll say five, three, and two from those. That works. And I, it's closer to what you guys are saying. Yeah. So thank you to our supporters for putting in some great questions as always. And at this point, final thoughts? Let's just get the season going, boys. I mean, I'm ready. I don't know about you guys, but I I think we've waited long enough. Let's let's get this game on and let's let's uh let's get an early season win in, o- in Orange County. Absolutely. I mean, after after that kit reveal, I was looking forward to a match yesterday. So I'm I'm ready to just get out to Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex and uh, cheer on the team. Yeah, Jeff, I think you hit the nail on the head here. I think everyone's just really excited for the season. I'm going to be traveling to that match in Orange County next Saturday, and I will try to get player interviews, if not player interviews, at least some interviews with fans, and just try to bring as much of the game day experience to the listeners on this podcast. We will be back next Monday, hopefully recapping a rising victory to start the USL season, but win, lose, or draw, we will be recapping it. We will be here, and... You know, if any of you guys have been listening to us for a long time, please give us some ratings on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Uh, give us some reviews. Everything you say helps. Really, we appreciate it. Um, feedback is what makes us better. And also, a thanks to the Arizona Sports Complex for being a great sponsor and, you know, getting that ball rolling with us. So, that's going to do it for today's episode. As mentioned before, we will be back next week. This is Dominic Kearns signing off and saying, Go Rising. Go Rising. Go Rising. like to thank our sponsor Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.